0: Bring out the talent. Bring out the
1: talent.
2: Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent, help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, TTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen.
3: Good morning or afternoon, Jocelyn. Good morning and or afternoon yeah. slash evening exactly. slash twilight
0: to you all. Yes, exactly. How are you today? Good. Running late as always. How about yourself? Which is on time, actually. So. <laughs> yeah. that's. I call my mother every morning on my way, and I'm always... I'm running late,
3: and she always laughs. Right? If you didn't but say it, she'd be I concerned. Know. Like Maria, you are exactly. you exactly? Okay, Sounds like Mid fifties, mid fifties, and
0: it's been the story of my life. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'll ever change at Consistency this point. I mean, is good. I will change in other areas, so I don't want to say that I don't have a growth mindset because I will change. But yes. being late just might not be one of them. Let's prioritize and talk about what's really important. Exactly. Right.
3: Right. Absolutely.
0: Well, I'm very excited about our episode today. It's about a very interesting topic that I, myself, am very interested in learning more about. So we are often on the lookout for more meaningful approaches to enhance our employees' learning experiences. Evidence show that companies using design thinking outperform industry peers by... 228%.
3: Did you know that, Jocelyn? I didn't. And that is a huge (laughs) percentage. It is.
0: So, in this episode, we will dive deeper into the world of design thinking and learning and development with our guest, Jason Snyder. Jason is the founder and director of learning engineering at Legacy Learning Consulting and has had a treasure trove of insights on how design thinking can transform our approach to employee learning and development. Welcome Jason.
1: Thank you. How are you both?
3: We are doing great and very very excited to have you here Jason. So, thank you for agreeing to sign up for what you just signed up for.
1: Yeah, what is that?
3: <laughs> We're going to find out, aren't we? Us. So, Speaking of what is that? Can you talk a little bit more like for our audience and obviously for Maria and I because I have a I have a high level introduction through you to this design thinking because we had discussed a workshop not too long ago and I loved like you you sucked me into your process and what it means and how it can create a, how it problem solves for learning and development needs in organizations. So I'm very interested in more and want to see if you can break down what design thinking is for our audience and maybe what its place is in learning and development.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this, uh, design thinking is exactly is that problem solving tool. And I know design thinking purists and lovers of design thinking are going to say I'm simplifying it and it's because I am. But really it is. It's about It's about, it's a process that allows you to kind of think about problems from a human centric framework and then develop problems or solutions to those problems and then test them. And so over the years, it started actually as a software development tool. Like, Hey, how do we create software that are, that's meaningful to people and that people are actually going to use? And over the years, you're seeing it get into a lot of different applications and organizations and businesses and, and just a variety. Of applications and I started using design thinking as part of uh, a instructional design process several years ago when I was working at Carnegie Mellon University. We were doing that in our group, and then when I started my company, the the approach just lends itself to instructional design. I'm not a Addy person. I'm not a Sam's person or any of those other ID approaches, mainly because of in practice. They aren't really iterative. They're designed to be iterative, but demand are balance. So the steps to design thinking is from the, the original is empathize, define, ideate, prototype, test. And so those steps, we really do create a, you now we've tailored it a little bit to the instructional design process, um, but it creates this, this process of figuring out what are we, what are the problems that we're trying to solve? Who are the people that are involved? And then, what are the options for that? And then, how do we create something and then test it, to see if it actually solves the problem?
3: It's interesting that you said in the beginning that it was originally developed for what, like a software, you said, mm-hmm. design thinking. Yeah, software development. Because when I originally, the way that I think that's what I'm kind of tied or pulled me into this conversation so much is that I, orig- I was like, design thinking, isn't that technical? And it like yep. it is what it isn't, right? Because because it, it it is a process which can be very technical, but it this human centric approach that you talk about, I think, is what really sets it apart. Is that there's partnership in the process and like brainstorming. It gives a framework to a brainstorm in, in in a way. And it's it's I don't know. It's bringing things back to the fundamentals, to the basics of 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 kind of figuring out what you have in front of you and how to make it better.
1: Absolutely. And if you think about the history of instructional design and learning development field, we're getting out of it. The last 20 years, we've, we've done this whole thing where it's basically like, Hey, what do we want learners to, to do? What kind of, what do we need to fix for them? And let's create something that's going to help us as an organization and that has benefits. But then if you add this design thinking component to it, it asks, why aren't they doing what they're, that we want them to do? What are the challenges? What are the, Modes that they want to connect to the information. How do we get them to shift those behaviors so that it isn't just kind of a pushing down content or pushing down learning experiences? It's more of creating learning experiences that engage them, that help them go along with that process. Because at the end of the day, if it's organizations pushing, that's manipulation. If it's figuring out who the learners are and, and giving them solutions, that's leadership. And so there's there's a again we're shifting out of that. But it's actually a, this design thinking can be a tool for us to transition into this new age of learning.
0: How does AI help or hurt design
1: thinking? I don't think it does either. Again, for for us, we use design thinking as, again, the first step is empathize. That's that's really what you think of as your needs analysis. And so in that step, it's really like, we've got to get out there and talk to people. We've got to figure out what the challenges within the organization are or within the, the individuals. So AI can't really help at that stage. It could in some ways help at the defined stage, which is like, But again, I think I'm old school. I think my brain is going to be able to up with more meaningful outcomes after having talked to people within the organization. The way I use define it is that's where we establish our outcomes. So that's where we get a really clear definition of what the learning experience is going to be, what the Problem is to solve, and we really kind of explain what it is. So we, that's what we use our outcomes for. Now, at the ideate stage, I think your AI can, could and is getting into the place where it is helpful, and that's where you just what are the ideas, what are the things that we can do to solve those problems so, to achieve the outcomes that we are trying to do, and that saves a lot of time from a brainstorming point. But the challenge is, I don't know if you all tried to use it at that stage. It's still using kind of AI uses old school learning strategies. In my opinion, even if you ask it to write, like, hey, give me some question prompts or scenarios, it, it doesn't really leverage, I guess, learning strategies. So it's it's a good tool for ideating because it gives us general ideas, but then we still got to build out those. And then the prototype. At, at this point, I think this is where AI and learning development are, are getting into this. We're going to see the transition over the next couple of years, and that is how do we create AI tools to help us pro- help us create those learning experiences. So that we can test faster. So at the moment, I don't think AI is really that helpful. But it, but as we start to see some of these new tools come into the market, it's going to be at that stage that's really going to be helpful. As the last two stages is prototyping, creating solution, and then testing them quickly to see what actually is going to solve problems that we learned about in our empathize stage.
0: It'll be interesting to watch. Exciting. So. Yes, for sure. So, user-centric design is a fundamental of design thinking. How can L and D professionals ensure that their training programs are truly user-centric?
1: Yeah, and I think design—that's why we use design because that's that's the answer, right? That there's a lot of tools in design thinking because it's been around for a long time. Excuse me. That a lot of tools that are going to help you figure out what your problems are. I don't use a bunch of them because really, it's The empathize step is really what, what are we trying to accomplish? Who are those involved? What do they care about? What are their challenges? What what, what are they more likely to engage in to be able to uh, overcome those challenges? At that empathize step, that's where it becomes human centric, right? If you really are, again, that's with Addy, the analyze step, you'll see a lot of LOD professionals just kind of use that as a checkbox. Like, hey, ask the questions. I sent out some surveys, but at the empathize phase, you really want to understand those learners are, what their challenges are, but also what the organization needs and what they're, so. So I think that's the, the answer.
3: Now, you were talking about prototyping too. I know we're kind of like bouncing a little bit here, but how, like, what are some practical examples of that? Because we went in a little bit, a little bit about how AI maybe isn't the most practical right now, but what, what does a practical example look like?
1: Yeah, for LMD, it's, it's relatively simple. You just got to create stuff that you came up with in the ID step. Right. And so we kind of loosely use the ID and prototype step in in, in our process. We have what we call design docs, which is just really the written form. We use that for ID. It's the written form of what we think is going to solve the problem. And then we kind of get stakeholder vetting approval, and then we massage it out through that. So it's kind of an ID, but also a prototype step. Then where I see the prototype, which is, again, what takes so long, is your actual initial build, right? So if you're doing any learning there, you just got to get in there and build it. And the true idea of prototype is to create something that's good enough to get out there and test whatever it is that you want to test. And unfortunately, in the L&D field, we have stakeholders and we have people who want the actual training to get to the people. So they don't have a lot of tolerance for prototype test, prototype tests. So really, the prototype is the first iteration of it with the understanding that we've got to have a process. It's that last step of how do we test this and iterate on it? How do we not close this loop just because we gave it to them, to to our stakeholders? So the short answer right now is that if you're applying this to learning development, you just got to create the thing that's going to solve the problem and see how that goes.
3: Can you share a success story with us? Like where has design thinking been used to transform a training program? What was the outcome of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we use this for, we use it really in two stages. We use it at the strategy stage and then also at the creation stage. So we use design thinking, again, we we talk with the leadership. We kind of have three groups of folks that we go in and talk to whenever we're trying to figure out strategies. We talk to the leadership, we talk to what I call as stakeholders, and that is just like everybody else that cares, like your manager. Some there are some people who want to be part of the development phase that are learners as well. and So that group, and then also your learners, right? And so when we do that, then we have we're able to build out what are the things. First of all, we can clearly define what the problem is that we're going to solve What are the things? The yeah. is it mentoring? Is it Live training, is it e-learning? What are the things that we're going to create in order to solve that problem? So we do it at that stage. And then we also do it at the development, where then it's like, okay, we we have the learner personas, we've established that at the strategy from an empathizing standpoint. And then let's define each outcome for each module and ideate on those uh outcomes and then prototype that. So it does so for there's five or six clients I'm thinking of right now where we transformed it from a strategy standpoint and then the actual output looks and feels very different to what they had in in the past which often is just videos or they wrote stuff up and they have a handbook or something like that to what we're creating the whole learning experience that is going to have some e-learning some mentoring some live trainings and then other resources that are available so so that uh, we truly use this as a business model for LOD and we try to apply design thinking everywhere that we engage with our clients. But that's where we mainly use it: is that strategy and the creation.
0: Iterative development is another key aspect of design thinking. Can you explain a little bit more
1: on how you use that? Yeah, I think the LMD field has been craving an iterative process, and again, they created that, People came up with this idea of Addy is supposed to be cyclical and iterative. There are SAMs and there's other models. The problem is is that when we have things that are kind of checked off, like, hey, I did analyze, I, now I'm designing, developing, et cetera, then once you get to that last step, people are kind of like, cool, we're done. And so it doesn't in practice become an iterative process. Design thinking actually says, hey, these things aren't linear. Now, again, I just explained to you the way we use it at Legacy Learning. It is somewhat of a Step process, but not the internet internet part at every stage, like nothing is ever locked in stone for us. And so even though we go and we emphasize, we do our conversations with our clients at the front stage, if we still have questions, we'll go back and redevelop the uh, learner persona. Maybe I'm talking with uh, a learner after the the actual learning strategy is implemented and we find that there's something we missed at that. We'll go back and update our learner personas and the insights for that so we can use it moving forward. And so, literally, design thinking—the main concept in design thinking—is this iterative process. So I think if the learning development industry is like I believe it is, craving the iterative process—that we're not just going to create something and be done—that we're going to see how it goes, adjust with time, adjust with people's learning and how they grow—that we're going to adjust things. I think design thinking is a great answer for that iterative process, but we have—you have to be intentional about it, right? Because any Just like Addie and Sam's, any model like that does have the potential to just just be a stopping. Like, okay, hey, we did the testing, good, go. That's not how it should go, especially for testing. In the testing, you'd be like, hey, what did we learn? Okay, let's go back and add that to our empathy insights. Now, okay, what's that mean for the outcomes and the, the definition? So it's constantly... Growing now, the only challenge, and I know everybody's listening to this. If you're if you're in the C-suite, are saying, well, "What about cost?" That's true, right? We have to be strategic and prioritize what we invest as the next thing that we do. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't identify and capture the insights so that when we're ready to iterate on this thing, that we have it. Uh, because if we don't do that, then when it's time to revamp, update, or do refreshers, we often start from scratch because We haven't done this thing of, hey, we've done all this work and we're learning and we're growing and now let's apply that information to this new thing.
0: You see a lot of organizations resist doing iterative process because they just want to get it done.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And so I often don't even talk about the iterative process. We just do it. Now, when you get to the testing, then we do need organizational buy-in in order to do iterations off of that hey learners have done it they're in it they're using it can we go back and talk with them see what their feeling that they need buy in at that buy in at that point and they'll go back and talk to the learners and then iterate off of that
3: what about industry specifics are there like kind of industries or types of programs i guess based on those industries that design thinking's particularly well suited for does it matter can it be applied anywhere
1: yeah, that's the beauty of it, right? And that's why you are starting to see it applied in, not just in learning development, right? But it, it, we're talking today about design thinking from a learning development standpoint. People are going to look at that and be like, "I have never thought of that," because they're already thinking about it in terms of organizational development, right? If you have an organizational issue, design thinking is a great practice to say, "Hey, what is our real issue?" Which is before we started engaging with them on that one client, like what are the problems in the organization, how do we solve it? But it can be applied anywhere, and so from a learning development standpoint, I always say. Especially for legacy learning consulting, we are topic agnostic. We do not care what your topic is because our process will help us figure out the content and the right learning experience for that. The reason we do that, I think it's human centric approach that we want to learn who your lawyers are, what the organization is, and we learn all that stuff through that. And so it does not matter what the content is. It does apply everywhere. We've done this in finance. We've done this in uh, engineering. I think if you look at it, design thinking, you're going to think, Okay, definitely applies to engineering, right? That's an easy, easy win. Um, But we've done this in staffing industry. We've done this in in healthcare. And we've done this with a lot of our clients who, what we call content owners, who are people who are experts in something and they've developed a program or are trying to develop a program based on content that they have. It it applies there as well, even on the smaller kind of content owner type situations.
3: And it's and it doesn't matter the topic either, it seems, right? Like this is applied to, okay, we have this new technology that needs adopting. Like that's our problem. Like we can't get it to adopt. Okay, here's the training program that we, here the processes we go through to create the training program that resolves that issue. Or we have people who, interdep- We as an organization, interdepartmental communication is a problem. Like we can't get teams to talk to each other that can be developed into a process that creates a soft skill program for that communication plan. Like, it's just, that's what's fascinating about it to me is that it's like, it's something that's is process wise, like looks and kind of feels technical, but makes sense for whatever, like even like, it makes sense for a feeling or a thing or an activity or a, or a tool and it's you're your meeting your organization where they're at in order to propel to the next stage, or am I, am I wrong? Did I just get really passionate and I'm totally on face? No,
1: I' you're about to, you're getting me excited about what I'm about to say too, but so there's it, it, for those listening when they hear what I'm about to say, they might say, "Hey, this guy's crazy, and that's probably true. but that we have in the L d for years and years and years have said we can't train attitudes. Design thinking actually opens the door for that, right? Because when we stop and step back and say, "Why?" To use the example of communication, you know, people ask us all the time to do communication training, and I tell them almost always it's not a communication issue, but we'll look at it, right? We ask the question, "Why aren't people communicating?" First of all, what does communication mean? What does it look like? when it's successful? What does it look like when it's bad? Was it look like? right? And so when we start to really understand that, sometimes it's like, "Well, these people don't like each other." Cool. We're not going to develop a training for that per se. Well, we can use all these tools that we have as learning development folks. We have an LMS, we have social work, we have live sessions, we have mentoring, We can use all of those processes and tools to address the fact that these two people don't like each other, or maybe it's all groups of people that don't like each other, right? That's attitudinal. And so, yes, we can't pull training attitude, but we can solve the problem through our training mechanisms. And so it, it allows us to really understand what the issue is. And then got people say, well, we don't want to do attitude training. Great, because I don't either. Well, we want to do communication training. Well, when you call it communication training and you still address all these things, you're solving the problem through training and solving attitude problems, even though we're not addressing training through we're not training attitude issues. So it, you're right to be excited about that. It can f- apply anywhere. Soft skills, or you know, I'm not a huge fan of that term, but those skills, those hard skills, the mixture of skills, like it literally can be applied anywhere. And again, we do it. through, We're having this conversation today about learning development, but as facilitators, we use this in or literally, how do we pull out problems if we're trying to work with a group of people to find a problem with an organization? We use it there too.
3: Very cool, Jason. I yeah, I I love this this thought process and how applicable it is to every scenario and of course we get excited this is what I do by the way we get really excited about something we get really jazzed up and then I play devil's advocate and I talk about what the challenges are possible obstacles but to getting to this point of like a passion project right for lack of a better term so so what are some things that you've seen kind of Cause maybe some hiccups or or what have you in this process that are, are challenges that are are faced.
1: Yeah, I mean one of the things we just talked about is is when people leadership ears iterative they think money right, and it can be, but so you have to kind of mitigate that. Like what we're talking about is a philosophy of iteration, not steps of iteration. And I think that's an important distinction. And despite this, me saying this, this is a design thinking saying this. That it's literally iterative throughout the entire process. And so I think one way to mitigate that is to just not talk about iteration to that group, right? You can not even talk about the steps of it. Because that's the other challenge is when you see the steps, you're thinking linear. You think I do this, I do this, I do this, and this. And again, in practice, sure, you are gonna empathize first because you really can't define a problem until you empathize. But once you get to the defined step, if you realize, oh, we missed things or we learned something new, you go back to the empathize step and update what that information. So I think the biggest challenge is being intentional about not boxing yourself into your process. And I think if you can avoid that, there's not a ton of downside to using design thinking because the reality is too, you don't have to be an expert at it to use it. It, It's literally, hey, what am I going to do at the empathize step? You don't have to, by the way, design thinking does have a lot of just general activities and tools. Like if you're trying to try to facilitate a workshop on design thinking to help an organization find their problems, actually use it to solve an organizational problem. There's a lot of things out there that you can use, but you don't need those, right? You can create your own. It's really just conceptual. And again, there are design thinking jurists. I'm sorry I'm, I'm offending anybody with that. But it, it's, it, this using design thinking learning development just really allows you to create these learning experiences that are human-centric. So with relatively little downside, right? The other thing I would say to, to this conversation about it, the relatively little downside is that this, using design thinking, actually shortens your learning development process. Because if you can accept the fact that we're going to iterate, that means we don't to be perfect at any step. And so again, the challenge here is this iteration, but it's also necessary to really understand and apply it if you're going to use design thinking, because then you can say, okay, cool. We talk to people, use our document. Okay, but wait, we forgot these things. Cool. We can move forward, right? We don't have to wait until we've had a chance to talk to those people or to to get that those kind of insights and 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 data. We'll get that whenever we get it. Right?
0: That's a great point. It's a great point. I love that, because you're not then shooting for perfection.
1: Yep. You're and just getting things done because it it will always change. That's right. Well, and and Maria, that's a great point too, because design thinking is a great tool for as, as anybody learning development field today knows, you're going to put together a training and then that content or that process is likely to change two weeks after implementation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you take six months to create that thing, then it's already not existent anymore. And so design thinking allows you to just really be responsive to change and kind of, cause that's one of the downsides always with learning development is like takes too long and it does still, even with design thinking. But you can shorten it dramatically if if you use it. It's also a great tool because one of the things that slows down learning and development processes is having too many people involved in the decision-making process. And so design thinking allows you to, if you do use it linearly, get buy-in and, and ownership and feedback at those certain checkpoints to minimize oh, that
0: exactly. That was actually going to be my next question. What do you need from the organization in order for this to be successful? Like what
1: champions do you need within the organization? The beauty of it is, is that most people don't know we're using design thinking. So we don't really need a ton from them. Now, people, once they see what we're doing, they'll ask us a process. Some people get really curious and we're happy to share exactly what we're doing. But what we need from them is just access, right? So, so that's kind of the, the hurdle, well, we can navigate it. If, again, conceptually as an organizational legacy learning is using design thinking, everyone applying it. Everywhere. But we may not be able to do as much at a specific place if an organization says, ah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's so funny because I write these. Le- so from our empathize phase, we'll write learning personas, which is incredibly valuable for us to learn and develop people. They kind of will say who learners are what their challenges are, maybe some of their educational background, how familiar familiar are they with the learning, et cetera. But almost always the leadership will look at that after we do them, and be like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But literally we'll say that. That's nice. Glad we have it, but not really sure how we're going to use it. we're going to use it, right? <laughs> so so it is this thing of like they don't need to know even what it is, how it applies, but it is so important that we get that access. And if they can't give us access, then we, we find solutions, but it's not as robust as if they did.
0: Jason, how do you believe design thinking impacts the overall engagement and effectiveness of the training programs?
1: Yeah, it's if you've never used design thinking, it's hard to articulate it. But again, we're starting with the people who are going to be using this. That's where you're starting. Right? It's the Stephen Covey's beginning to the end of the mind. And for so long, D had talked about doing that, and we kind of placated that concept and idea through needs analysis. But when we sit and look, use design thinking to this process, you're really diving into who these learners are and what they want, what they don't want, et cetera. And so from that, like, for example, do you find that learners, these specific learners, these group of learners really going to give you attention for about two minutes, then that helps you design the learning experience to be really, really bite-sized, right? It, and it's funny when I use design, I, think I I can hear, if you look at all the concepts that have come out in the learning development field for the last 20 years, like chunking or mini modules, like all these things, like you can kind of see people intuitively learning development folks knew these things, but we didn't have a process to really say, why are we doing it? And design thinking tells you that. So not all learners need bite-sized information. But those who have the two minutes, okay, well, maybe it's not a module. Maybe it is that quick video. Even though a video might not be the best learning strategy generally, maybe for those folks it is. And then, okay, let's create some question prompts that have them reflect and think about that. Or maybe we give them an exercise to go apply it in the real world because then they don't want to sit in training, room, right? So I think that really does allow us to create engagement for that specific one. And again, we're iterating, so we may miss the bar, but then we're going to go back and say, okay, we thought that was the solution to that problem, but it wasn't. Here's this other thing we can do. So, so the answer to your question, it just naturally creates better engagement if you're committed to this process because the insights you learn tell you what the answers are. Great.
0: What tools do you recommend to our listeners? to use to implement this
1: yeah so it's yeah, I, quite honestly I, if you're not you knew the design thinking, i would literally just do some research on design thinking understand the different steps and then create something yourself for questions and, and or deliverables that you want at each of those steps now that being said there are design thinking tools out there there's one of the ones that i've seen is called it i think it's called session lab and it's Specifically, they have t- design thinking templates for meetings and workshops. So if you are a trainer or a facilitator or an organization wants to use design thinking to solve organizational problems, Session Lab actually has some templates for you to facilitate those type of sessions. So the other thing is that I haven't really seen any quote, tools for it to be applied to L&D development. Uh, and that's, I'm here today talking to you about it because pretty much that's mainly what we do. and I did exactly what I just suggested, where I, wrote, I just look at design thinking and say, okay, well, from a learning standpoint, what are we trying to get into these phases? And we've been able to hone our process using design thinking so that we can work with our clients better and, and solve their problems. But I, I say the answer this way, because if you do a search for design thinking tools, there's a million, of literally there's there's a whole market right now for, People are having use cases or organizations having use cases for design thinking and then they create a tool for it, like Neuro is an example of that. I think it's called Click It or something like that. There's a lot of different tools out there that help you capture, learn through the design thinking process.
3: So I think that design thinking has become in it and of itself much more trendy, probably what, like the last five years, yeah. even though it's, it's been around for a while. So what are what's going to be the next phase of that trend? What do you see coming down the pipeline in the next couple of years as we're talking about more innovating or the processes that lend to it
1: in the field of learning and development? I think the answer to that question is going to be the output, but the process isn't going to change, right? Because again, if you're doing the, the empathize, the find, the ideate, it, as the learning and development field gets new technologies, as AI starts coming to the field, uh, in a better way as VR becomes a major player. I know it's starting to, but it, there's still roadblocks to that. As that starts to happen, if you're using design think you're going to be able to leverage those faster and you're going to be ahead of the curve. I mean, it's fascinating to me. I still work with clients who are doing training that reminds me of like 1990 trainings. Like it's very prevalent. And as you both know, that learning development field is really slow to evolve. But I believe once VR tools get out there and AI tools get out there, it's going to evolve rapidly. And so the major change is going to be able to be, there's all this talk with AI about eliminating jobs. And we don't hear that so much about learning development field, but I can certainly see in five years, if you could create something that's, can An AI can create a storyline module, well, then how do we maintain our positions? And the answer to that is AI is not going to take our jobs, but AI is going to take the jobs of folks who are not able to figure out how to use AI, right? And so I think, again, using design thinking as that process helps you figure out, okay, there's this new tool out here in, in the world. How do I what are the ideas that I come up with that's going to solve these problems we have in our clients phase to create something that is going to be valuable to to your client or your organization?
3: Excellent information. Really. Yeah. I'm I'm get very excited about this stuff because I feel the connection to it. Like it make the more we talk about it, the more it makes sense. And I very much am getting much more insight into you, Jason. I'm like, he, he does do this all the time. Every time he's talking to me, he's using design thinking. So I he's, he's nodding yes for people who can't see him. That's but true. this was an exciting episode with a lot of great information. And, I mean, we thank you for for sharing it with us.
1: Yeah, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for inviting my-
3: Quite done, though. Nope. Because we have another part of this episode. Which is the TTA
2: 10. Let's do it. It's the TTA 10. Ten final questions for our guest.
3: Part of me does wish this was on video because, like, you just sat up a little straight. There. I'm like, so Jason, scared. Jason's I'm scared. in game mode right now. <laughs> I love it.
1: Wow. Pressure is on. I cleared my throat. I am <laughs> sitting up. <I'm> <laughs> <going>. <laughs>
3: Don't be scared. Like I said, it's all in good fun. And you know how it works. We have 90 seconds that will be put on the clock. I have 10 questions for you. We will celebrate you or not celebrate you at the end, depending on what the outcome is. But the goal is to answer them in under 90 seconds. So, Jason, with that, I ask, are you ready?
1: Ready as I'll well ever be.
3: Another baby. All right, David, 90 seconds on the clock, please.
2: Yes, Jocelyn, 90 seconds on the TTA ten clock beginning. Bop! Now.
3: Alright, Jason, what's your favorite way to relax after a long day? The hot tub. Ooh, okay. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chicken wings. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, but how'd he get there in the first place?
1: Can we pass? Find it. You climbed the wall.
3: What's six plus three? Nine. Where is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to? You,
1: Thomas Thomas jewis virgin Islands.
3: Who let the dogs out?
1: I did. I don't know.
3: <laughs> How do you take your coffee?
1: Black with sugar. Two sugars. Maybe three. Depending on the size of the cup.
3: Would you consider cereal to be a soup?
1: No. What kind of questions?
3: No. If you could have any musician perform a concert in your backyard, living or dead, who would you choose? Weird out. Love it. And what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: No one is coming to rescue you.
3: Okay. All right, David, that is 10. So, did we I get The verdict, please.
2: Come on. <laughs> Clock has stopped with the time of one minute and 10 seconds. Jason is well below the girl's show. Congratulations. Fear is a motivator. No. And victory. we do, of course, have. A salute prepared to Jason. You, you may not know that Pittsburgh has a history connected to the beatnik poets of the 60s, including Jack Kerouac, who made visits to Pittsburgh, and Kurt Vonnegut, who, like you, Jason, worked at Carnegie Mellon. How about that? So, of course, we have prepared a poem in the style of those beatniks. Oh, yeah. So here we go. Well, Jason, Jason, hey son, the voice of his own generation. A man with a vision, he's making decisions. He's on a mission with learning. He's got the precision. Legacy Learning's the name of his company, what fame, helping leaders in the learning game. And yes, I'm worried this poem is getting lame. From Pittsburgh, he hails with a unique twist, rooting for the Cowboys and Pirates, an unusual list. It's just as well, he's too young for Willie Stargell, but his Cowboys are back. You hear me, Jack? He could just use fewer interceptions from Dak. Jason's learning experience, it really rocks. Learning and enjoying, quite the paradox. He'll bring you into the future, you hear that, Michael J. Fox? Like a new Saturday morn, making minds be reborn, he's as swift as Taylor, as clever as Rip Torn. So here's to Jason, a modern-day sage, a legacy builder in this digital age. Helps you break out of your cage. He's all the rage in the world of learning. He's turning the page. Congratulations, Jason, on rocking. Oh, excellent.
1: That's, that was
2: amazing. You're supposed, really to, supposed to snap, snap right? Snap. Yeah.
3: Yes. I was smoking my cigarette. Too. I was the vibe, to so. Yeah,
1: I'm glad know. that came after. That's, that's a hard act well so right yeah.
3: exactly there's a reason why we we only let David come out at the end
1: <laughs> no and I'm, I'm really glad I was able to open for David that was it was a very big honor for me today <laughs> mm-hmm. that was great okay. that oh, was Jason excellent. this was
3: a phenomenal episode so thank it you really again for oh, yeah. being such a valued part of the network working with us on such a consistent basis and now adding this to the your repertoire I mean I, I adore you and this was this was awesome that's awesome. Thank you guys.
0: Thank for you so me. much. Thank you so much for the wonderful
3: partnership and being our guest today. To learn more about Jason and how you can bring design thinking into your organization, visit us at thetrainingassociates.com. We'll see you later.